Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The politics of the world shows us a few models for how mankind governs himself. There are dictatorships and monarchies on one hand, and various forms of democracy on the other. One is according to the opinions of one man, and the other is according to the opinions of the people. Logically, as God's people, a kind of spiritual nation, we may bring one or the other of these models into the church. But Israel... God's Old Testament people received detailed instructions on how they were to be governed, neither as a democracy or as an autocracy, but with a divine government, a government by God and according to what God is. Bob Danker has joined us today as we look at some of the details of this divine government or theocracy that God instituted among his people. Bob, interesting topic, isn't it? A very interesting topic, Chris, and a wonderful one to see how God established his government among his people in the Old Testament, and that is the model for us today in the church. This is our third program now, dealing with this divine government, Bob, that uh, Jehovah God instituted among Israel. I think especially today, as we begin to look now at some of the more detailed points and aspects, we need to keep in mind what we saw in the first program on this topic. I'd like to read a very short portion from the Life Study message that uh, begins this section in the Life Study of Deuteronomy, and then ask you to comment on how this will really help us to understand these statutes and ordinances on how Israel was to be governed. Again, I'm reading from the Life Study number 17, if anyone has the printed volume of Deuteronomy. We need to study these points in order to know God's mind and to know what he is thinking. God knows man's need, condition, and situation. Therefore, whatever God speaks concerning man is the final word. Well, Chris, this is right. Uh, God is the one who knows man and man's need and situation. Actually, God designed man. And he created man, so surely he knows man very well. I would say he knows man better than we know man. (laughs) Right. And uh, human government is always based upon man's perception of the need of man and the situation and condition among the human race. But God's government is based on his mind and uh, his perception of man's need and the situation among his people. Actually, God's desire is to govern his people directly. He is the king. He is the unique ruler among his people. Actually, though, as we look at the divine theocracy among the children of Israel, there were human beings involved in that theocracy. So God governed through men. These men were the priests and the judges and the various leaders among the people. But the main thing here is that None of these human intermediaries or delegated authorities were to express their own opinions. They were to be one with God in his thought, 
his word, his way, his judgment, they were to be absolutely according to God and pass on to God's people, God's ruling, God's mind, God's way, so that in effect, in reality, it was God, not man, mm. who was governing Israel, and it should be the same in the church. You know, a portion that we covered reinforces this point very nicely. Thought I would maybe interject it here. The king, even, that uh, Israel pleaded for, and eventually God allowed them to have a king, an earthly king. But one of the requirements was that the king would need to copy word by word all of the commandments up till that time. And each day he was required to read in them. So, again, really imparting God's feeling, God's mind, and God's thought into the delegated ones that had responsibility among his people. That's right, Chris. A big uh, factor in God's government is God's Word. Those who participate in God's theocracy have to be filled with a living knowledge of the Word of God, which really conveys the mind of God and even conveys God himself into those who represent him. So uh, the Word is very crucial. And the king in the Old Testament, he was to be occupied and filled with the Word of God. And then how about the leaders in the New Testament? Yeah. It should be the same. It should be the same. Well, Bob, we're going to get into some of these details now. I, I want to make this comment to help our listeners understand what we're saying. Just as the commandments revealed actually who God is, uh, these finer points, these statutes and ordinances related to the details of governance also reflect something about God and what he is. That's the real theocracy by God and according to what God is. So rather than us taking a look at them and trying to make judgments on them literally, as they were applied, we need to extract from here the spiritual principles that are still applicable today, even though practically the working out would be different. Uh, Let me um, get into a portion here in chapter 21. It says, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son, one who doesn't listen to the voice of his father nor to the voice of his mother, and though they chastise him, he does not listen to them, Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him forth to the elders of his city and to the gate of his place. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He does not listen to our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him with stones so that he dies. Thus you shall utterly remove the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear and will fear." Hard to understand to our natural ears, but again, we want to see a principle here reflecting God's knowing of man and man's condition and man's real need. Let's go to Witness Lee. Concerning, again, the government among the people. Now listen this. If a man had a stubborn and rebellious son, and he was a glutton and a drunkard, then all the men of the city were to stone the son to death. To me, this is a little too simple. Right? The sentence is a little too quick. This is a little too heavy. Okay, anyhow, this was theocracy, not my opinion. Thus, the evil was to be removed from the midst of the children of Israel, and all Israel would hear and would fear. We have a brother. A few years ago, his son was murdered, little boy. He was distributing newspaper in the evening, and he was murdered. And that case was made clear to the law court. Thus far, still no execution. 
of any kind of sentence. This is USA. Today, USA is becoming more and more evil. But according to theocracy, according to God's government, the case should be judged quickly. Yes, yes, no, no, white, white, black and black. So these will stop the evil. You have to know the human government was established firstly among mankind in Genesis chapter 9. And there we are told the human government was established by God just to carry out the death crime. If you kill people, you should be killed. How about this? Let me check with you. Do you think it is easy for the parent to do this? Suppose you have such a son. Would you bring him to the elders of the city and bring him to the gate? In ancient time, among the children of Israel, the gate is the place to have the congregation. Would you do it? If you would not do it, you just love your son more than the people. You keep such an evil one. And this will damage the people, right? You have to clear up the society of God's people. As a parent, Bob, it's hard to imagine being able to do such a thing, but we don't want to lose sight of the principle here that is really revealed, and that is God's uh, wisdom in protecting and preserving his people, isn't it? Yes, God is wise, and his desire is to have a pure people, a people that he can work with to carry out his eternal plan on this earth. And God expects all of us not only to love our families, the ones who are immediately close to us, but even more, I would say, to love God and to love his interests on the earth. And God's interests on the earth are mainly his people. So if a parent of a rebellious child, not just a child who threw a temper tantrum, but a habitually rebellious child who would never listen to his parents, uh, if such a parent were not to disclose this to the leaders of the people, then he would be loving his family more than God's people, and he would be allowing a great evil to remain among God's people. So this was a requirement on this parent, and this was done because God wanted his people to be pure so that they could belong to him and be used by him to carry out his purpose and could share with him in all his accomplishments. But suppose this kind of thing were not taken care of, then evil among God's people would be rampant, and then eventually God's people would offend God to such an extent that he would no longer be able to work with them. So this is God's wisdom in caring for his people as a whole, Mm -hmm. and we need to practice this in the church as well. Remember, Israel is a pattern of the church. So if there are unruly ones, rebellious ones in the church, what should we do? Should we allow them to remain in the fellowship of the church? Well, the Bible tells us we should not. We should discipline them or chastise them, not reject them utterly, not throw them away, Mm -hmm. but should discipline them so that they would no longer be that way and that the others in the church among God's people would hear of this and they would fear. 
They would be deterred from behaving in such a way. This is God's wisdom. This is God's love and God's wisdom. This is not harsh. This is not unreasonable. Even in the context of a family, if a parent indulges one child to such an extent that that child is really out of control, it is not a proper care and love and concern for the other family members to let that one go. Oftentimes, you it may be a suffering for the one that uh, is rebellious, but it may save the other children in the process. Exactly. This is God's thought, is to preserve his people for his purpose as much as he can. Bob, our next point, in fact, the next two sections are going to deal with uh, the matter of morality, which comes up now in chapter 22 and 25, 24, many of these chapters in Deuteronomy. Let's look at this portion as well. If a girl who is a virgin is engaged to a man, and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, you shall bring both of them out to the gate of that city and stone them with stones so that they die, the girl because she did not cry out in the city and the man because he humbled his neighbor's wife. Uh, This is touching uh, something very sensitive and very delicate in our society today, but one that really needs God's light and shining and his word to to help us through. Let's go back to Witness Lee. A man lying with a woman married to a husband, both of them were to be put to death. Thus, the evil of fornication was to be utterly removed from Israel. God likes to keep his people clean. He doesn't like to see his people so dirty. So he's so definite and he's a compassionate, merciful God. But he carries out his descendants so brave and so quick and so thorough. The man humbled his neighbor's wife. This word tells us something quite strongly. You know, today, the young people despise the matter of engagement. But you have to know, once you got engaged, you have become husband and wife already. You see, here is an engaged virgin who was humbled by a man. Then the Bible says, this virgin is the neighbor's wife, not married yet, due to engagement. So I like to say to our young people, you must be careful about engagement. To cancel an engagement in the eyes of God equals divorce. The same record you could see in Mary's case, the mother of Christ. When she was engaged to Joseph, the angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, you have to take care of your wife. That's your wife. Why? Because you, you got engaged with her. This means the matter of marriage is too, too serious. Don't touch it. If you touch it, you have to touch it seriously, not lightly. I have been observing for 30 years. I noticed the Americans start to say this, teaching marriage in a very light way. This, I believe, has been the reason so many separations, so many divorces, it's terrible. This is really a kind of abomination in the eyes of God. So when you get into the matter of marriage, you should consider it seriously. Don't touch it. If you touch it, you should be very fearing and reverent before God. It's quite serious. Even you both never come together. Still, through the engagement in God's eyes, you are husband and wife. Bob, uh, 
big topic here, uh, this whole matter of marriage and uh, how it is held and esteemed, and especially he targeted it toward the young people. And we're really talking now about the young people in the church to be preserved in this matter, aren't we? That's right, Chris. We need to realize, all the young people need to realize the seriousness of marriage. Marriage is crucial for the fulfillment of God's eternal plan. And God considers marriage, the relationship between a man and a woman, to be very, very serious and weighty. It is not a light matter. Even in engagement, to become engaged in the eyes of God is the same as being married because you have agreed to be married. You simply haven't carried out the act or whatever is required by law. Mm -hmm. But in the sight of God, it equals a marriage. And that means we should not do these things in a light way. And uh, as Brother Lee pointed out, faithfully, Among young people today, marriage is treated in a very light way. Young people enter into relationships with the opposite sex in a very loose and light way, and then these relationships are broken just as easily as they're begun. This kind of thing can only damage God's people and the human race as a whole. And we can see the tremendous damage it has done to our society because of the very high divorce rate, separation rate, the effect on children and on the next generation. It's just unbelievable. If we realize the consequences of what we are doing, I think we would think twice about it. But nevertheless, God's Word shows us how serious God considers this matter of marriage. And we need to enter into it with sobriety, even with some fear, and certainly with a great deal of seriousness and consideration before God that what we are doing is not a light matter. Bob, as you pointed out, the interpretation here of these portions is to apply these principles to the government of God's people, which is the church, but even as a society, by abandoning God's view of how serious and sober this matter is, the damage that's been inflicted on this country and Western civilization is just extraordinary, isn't it? It's extraordinary, Chris. Uh, We really need to be enlightened, and we need to be humbled and subdued by a word like this. We're going to stay on this point. Let's go back to Witness Lee. When a man marry a woman and having found some indecency in her, do you understand the word? I'm a little doubtful whether you really know the denotation or not. Let me illustrate to you. I noticed in the Western civilization, so many ladies, they don't know what is decency. God has made us Males and females. There is a big difference between males and females. You ladies or your sisters should keep your difference, remembering that you are females, regardless whether you marry or you don't marry. Let me tell you, what is decency? Suppose Sister Lee today, even we are old. I'm 86. She's close to 75. I don't like to see she talk to people freely and sit with people so closely. That is indifferency. Do you realize this? You shouldn't laugh to any man in a light way. Sometimes the ladies wearing some of the things indecently. That opens the door of fornication. This is why so much fornication. Why? Because society opens the door for everybody to commit fornication. So I see this, especially to young sisters. You have to preserve yourself 
preserve your virginity. Keep yourself as a decent lady. That's your status. Don't dress yourself like a man. God hates mixture. Man must be a man. In your haircut, in your appearance, in your dressing, in the color, you must be a man. Especially a lady, a female. You must be female. Sometimes I looked at a sister. I was doubting, is this a sister or a brother? Sometimes I doubted, well, this is a brother or a sister. That is abominable in the eyes of God. You must keep yourself distinct, clear, as much as possible, especially a female. Of course, God made the females really beautiful. Every female should be beautiful. You have to beautify yourself, but don't get somewhat beyond the limit. God likes to see his people pure, decent. Regardless of whether you marry or you don't marry. Bob, I would just like to remind uh, ourselves and our listeners how we began with the uh, quote from an earlier Life Study message. Study these portions in order to know God's mind and to know what He is thinking. He knows man's need, condition, and situation. Really so, isn't it? That's right. God knows man's need, condition, and situation. Here, this word concerning indecency Indecency is to go beyond the limit that God has established for a proper conduct of a male or a female. A male is a male, a female is a female, according to God's creation. And I appreciate this word that God hates mixture. Everything with him is clear and distinct. Everything in his creation. Right. Everything in his way among his people should keep the proper distinctions And also, indecency in dress. A woman needs to make herself attractive, but if she goes beyond the line, over the line, beyond the limit, then she becomes indecent. And then if a man and woman are together unmarried and they are loose in their talk, in their laughing, and in their physical contact with each other, that's indecent behavior. And that leads to fornication, adultery, all the things that we see in the world today. It's a heart-wrenching situation because basically men have rejected God's view and God's mind, and they have substituted their own, and we reap the consequences. So this matter of decency is a big point. There's always a line drawn by God And we shouldn't go beyond that line in our conduct, in our dress, in the way we deport ourselves, Mm -hmm. in the way we speak to others uh, or conduct ourselves, especially with others of the opposite sex. This matter of the, uh, the line, really, that God has drawn. In the church, this has gotten to be a significant problem. I know parents in the church struggle with this with their own children. And the line, rather than being something uh, that is legislated, uh, it's something that I think is in the divine life in every believer. You may not be able to write a dress code that exactly covers it, but you sure know it when you see it, don't you? That's right, Chris. Really, the line is drawn in our spirit. Right. And the line is... Uh, something that we know inwardly and subjectively. It's not an outward legislated line that we should not cross. It's an inward line that we should not cross. And when we cross it, there's an inner witness that we have gone too far and we need to repent and say, Lord, 
forgive me. I have gone over the line. Well, we've touched some difficult topics today, Bob, but I, I appreciate your spirit and your fellowship very much and uh, how we need the Lord shining and his strengthening and his forgiveness. Oh, we desperately need these things. And uh, as we leave, I'd like to invite you to contact us about getting these printed Life Study messages. I think you uh, have a sense of the sobriety that this portion of the Life Study brings to the opening up of the Word here and a sobriety that is desperately needed among all of God's people. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. That's all the time we have for today. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. These Life Study messages show us that every book of the Bible reveal that enjoying Him in this way will bring us to the goal of our salvation. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.